today. We are continuing our Fear Not series and I just, I just want to say thank you to the worship team. The words in those songs this morning I think so spoke into this theme of fear and not being afraid and keeping our eyes on, on Jesus. So thank you team. It was a really great worship morning this morning. Um, and we had a new worship leader, don't know if you know, don't say anything to him, he's probably embarrassed that I said that, but John, I did amazing, so it's awesome. Uh, yeah, give him a clap. So to start off this morning, we're talking about fear not, I thought I'd go to Google and work out some really wise quotes from there, I thought they'd be a great source. So here we go, Lemony Snicket, have you even heard of him? Yes, some of you have, I had to Google him. There are two kinds of fears, Lemony Snicket tells us, rational and irrational, or in simpler terms, fears that make sense and fears that don't. And this is quite true. Irrational fears are phobias, things like ablutophobia, which is fear of bathing, cleaning, or washing, which my children have. <laughs> my, <laughs> yes, they do. Agoraphobia, fear of crossing the street. Hypnophobia, fear of sleep. I'd hate to have that one. Or leukophobia, fear of the colour white. There are so many. There's lists, lists and lists of them. And it's really easy to make light of these and go, that's crazy. But they can be very real and very crippling to people. And generally, therapy is needed to overcome and cope uh, with these in, in daily life. But there are also rational fears, fears that do make sense. The definition of fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous likely to cause pain or is a threat. So obviously this is a perception that we have and so it's going to be different from person to person. But what I have found is that pretty much there are two main emotions in life that all our behaviour and our actions stem from. One is fear and the other is love and essentially we'll act out of a base emotion of one of those, fear or love. John Lennon, I found on Google, actually talked about this and said, there are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we are afraid, we pull back from life. When we are in love, we are open to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement and acceptance. So fear can cause us to shrink back and be limited in what we do in life. And this is definitely true. But I do believe it can also cause us to rise up and courageously move through it and move past it. And one of my favourite quotes, all-time quotes, is from the movie Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, which I love, and it says, life is an occasion, rise to it. So if we, I think that is totally true, if we want to live and be all the things that God has for us, we will need to rise up. Our other option is to shrink back. And I do think we all do that at times. So here are a few quotes that may help with our decision to either shrink back or rise up. J.R. Tolkien says, a man that flies from his fear, shrinks from his fear, flies from his fear, may find that he's only taken a shortcut to actually meeting it. We're going to meet it, we're going to face it anyway. We can shrink back or we can rise up. Nelson Mandela says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. They're good words, wise words. And of course, the Bible has so much to say on fear. And you, probably, you may have heard, there's, over, there's 365 references to fear, fearing not, in the Bible, one for each day of the year. You might have heard that. 
But in actual fact, I think there's actually, people say there's more than that, more references to that than even 365. And I think that testifies to the fact that God knows this is going to be an issue that we face every day, probably more than once a day. And we need to learn how to rise up, how to fear not. So I'm sure I'm not the only one who lets fear spiral me into irrational thinking. It can grab a hold really quickly. Semi-regularly, Carl, he's not so bad now, but semi-regularly, Carl will uh, be late home from work. So generally I know his schedule, we're all synced up on our iPhones and everything, I know what he's got on for the day, but sometimes he just is not home and he maybe hasn't called and half an hour or so is cool, that's fine, but much more than that and my brain goes a little bit crazy and so here's kind of what might happen. So I think, all right, maybe, maybe he's been in a crash. All right, maybe he's lying on the side of the road somewhere. Maybe he's dead lying on the side of the road somewhere. How will I know if he's dead lying on the road somewhere? Maybe the police are coming. What do I do with the kids while the police knock at my door? What's going to happen if he's dead? Will I keep living here? I'll have to work full time. Who's going to pick up the kids from school? What will happen to the church? Who'll fix the pool when it goes green? I'll have to sell the house, but who will want to buy a house with a green pool? We'll have to live in the caravan at the Ipswich Showgrounds because I can't afford anything else. Homeschooling because I can't afford school fees. So within minutes, we are desolate, uneducated caravan dwellers at the Ipswich Showgrounds. (laughs) Two minutes later, garage door goes up, he's home, it's all fine. Do you do that? Does anyone else do that? Maybe not about Carl, but you have your own spiral happening. I'm sure you do. But 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says... God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's so easy to fall into fear. And I think that maybe when we think about what God might even have for us in our lives, we can be fearful of that too. What if he wants me to be a missionary to Kazakhstan that does not sound appealing to me at all? Or what if he wants me to give my car away to someone? Or what if he wants me to marry someone that looks boring and I don't want to? As much as we say God's way is the way we want to live, sometimes I think there can be some fear involved with that. So let's today look at what happened when God asked Mary to do something that was pretty big. If you've got your Bibles, follow along. It will be on the screens, but we're going to read out of Luke 1 today, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now remember, first couple of verses here, remember, angels are not pretty ladies in white dresses, harp playing, cream cheese eating, floating on the clouds like we, uh, we have in our heads. They're not like that. They are fierce, warrior, sword angels able to strike down a nation on God's command but also gentle enough to protect an innocent little child. So this is what is facing Mary, the angel, big one, warrior, Gabriel, is standing in front of Mary. So I don't know about you, but potentially I think I'd be a bit scared at that vision in front of me, and I'm pretty sure Mary would have been too. So verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. I don't think that's how he would have said it. Big scary angel would have said, Greetings, Mary, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that would instill peace and joy in my heart right in that moment. I think I'd be freaking out at this vision. And I think she would be too. In fact, verse 29 says, 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I wonder what might come of this little interaction. She would be so confused and disturbed and troubled, not understanding what's going on. She'd be trying to work it all out. So let's delve into who Mary was, what's going on for her at this time. It's fairly well accepted that she would have been about 15 or 16 years old. And the reason we know this is because in her culture, once girls hit puberty, shortly after that, they were promised to be married, betrothed to be married. So Mary's already betrothed to marry Joseph. We know that. So like any young bride-to-be, she's hanging out on Pinterest, working out how to creatively do her wedding and practicing her new signature and dreaming up babies' names, all that kind of thing, mapping out her future. And then, bam, scary angel in front of her. Very inconvenient to a girl who has her future mapped out, very culturally relevant future mapped out. It's an interruption to Mary. So why are we often afraid of what God might have for us? The first reason is because his interruptions are often inconvenient. Does this sound like you? Has this happened to you? It certainly sounds like me, and I I know that. I have my plans, my future mapped out. I don't appreciate interruptions or changes to that. And early on in our marriage, it was particularly bad, and I think Carl will uh, tell you that it caused quite a bit of tension in our marriage because I'd have everything worked out, my day, my week, my month, whatever it might be, and I did not appreciate last-minute changes at all. If, it, if I had lots of notice and it was well thought out and written down in a rationale, then maybe I'd be fine, but generally, no. So, you know, when Carl would call, you know, youth leader, he's all cool like Tim and hanging out, and I'd be working properly at the hospital, and he would call me, oh, kidding, uh, and he would call me and he'd say, hey, Jess, I've got a young youth leader hanging out, I know you haven't been grocery shopping and the house is a mess, but can I just come over and hang for dinner? I'd be like, no, no, you cannot. That's not, that's not going to happen, Carl. Um, it's just not going to happen. And then when we had babies, they didn't seem to play with my rules either. I'd be dressed and ready for church, 8.30, we're going to church, and then bang, poo explosion everywhere. Has that ever happened? No, not, I'm sure Nathan and Mim, that hasn't happened. That's happened? Yes, it happened probably three times at least. You've got three kids. So what I discovered, though, is that uh, they taught me something. Without interruptions, I can miss out on some of the best stuff. I did actually learn that flexibility is a key thing in my life. Why do I think my plans are the best, most intelligent, fun, creative way of doing things? Sometimes interruptions to my day and my plans are actually a gift, an opportunity an invitation, often they're God's invitations when he wants to do something new or different in our life. But how many of us shake them off as interruptions or inconveniences and we miss something amazing, more amazing than what we could have planned? He's wanting to invite us to something higher and something better. And we see this all throughout scripture. He interrupted Moses' day with a burning bush and an invitation to become the deliverer of God's people. Jonah's running away was interrupted with the big fish and he was invited to go back and preach repentance to the city of Nineveh who responded beautifully. Saul's killing rampage against Christians was interrupted by a blinding light and he was invited to become the author of much of the New Testament and an apostle to anyone who'd listened to him about the grace of Jesus Christ. God had something better in store for them all. So God's interruptions are more likely to be invitations. What has he invited you to do lately? 
that you maybe have perceived as an interruption or an inconvenience? Is there someone in hospital that you should go and visit? Is there a conversation with a loved one that you've been putting off because of time? Or you might be fearful of their reaction when you do have that conversation. Is there a job that you need to resign from? Maybe not even knowing what's next. Is there an internship that you have felt the urge to join in on, but you're a bit fearful of giving up work or uni to do that? If these urges are continuing to niggle in the background and the action step is God-honouring, then maybe it's an invitation to a better way. Don't shake it off. Step into them. Rise and see what God does. So, my fear, one of them, is speaking in front of you all. Not public speaking, I'm fine. I'm fine with being up here. But I am fearful, I have an insecurity of saying something in the wrong way up here that might lead someone down the wrong path. I would hate to do that. Or of people thinking that my messages are very simple and we knew all that already and it just goes up, they're talking about Abraham again. Um, Carl last week spoke a fantastic message on Abraham. Next week, Duncan Brown is sharing, and then the week after that, Philip Mutzelberg is sharing, but week two is me. And that's a little bit confronting, and I feel a little bit vulnerable about that, thank you. But basically, in my self-orientated self, I don't want to do it. I would prefer to be sitting listening, just like you know, every other week. But I am doing it out of obedience to God. I believe God has put me in a position where I can speak I have access to the platform and I believe that even more than what I say in a message today or any other day, he wants me to show other women that we all have something to say, to influence and impart on those around us. And I love all of our speakers and God has absolutely anointed all of them with godly wisdom. But it's important for us all to see that we can learn from both men and women. And at the moment, you got me. So, (laughs) thanks. Thanks. So, an angel, it's good, it's all good. So, an angel of the Lord appears to this young girl who has her life planned out and says, I've got something different for you. So what does the angel say in verse 30? In the King James Version, it says, fear not. The New Living Bible says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. Favour with God, now that would excite me. Who doesn't want to be favoured by God? And surely blessing must come from favour. Sign me up for that. Maybe Mary thought there's a house involved for her and Joseph or an all expenses paid honeymoon. Surely that's what favour with God must mean. But as we run, I think she may have forgotten that fear not started that sentence. But as we read on, the favour may not have been as she would have guessed. So the first reason we're often afraid of God's plans for us is that his interruptions are inconvenient. We have talked about that. The second reason is because God's purpose and plan is often so different to ours. So in verse 31 to 33, the angel reveals God's purpose for Mary's life and says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary, this is Gabriel, Mary, you're going to have a baby boy who's the king of the world. Woohoo! Ta-da! Mary, 16, betrothed but not yet married common Jewish girl. 
Do you think this announcement would have stirred up joy in her heart? Maybe, but I think there also would have been some fear happening. On one hand, wow, what an honour to be chosen as the mother of God's son. But then, what will people say about me? Because, of course, you have to remember that the culture of that day was being pregnant out of wedlock uh, was a sin, punishable by death from stoning, actually picking up stones and throwing it. Death was not a good thing. So honour, wow, who me? But fear, how do I tell Joseph? How am I going to have that conversation? Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, Mary, what did you do today? Oh, yeah, hi, Joe, not much, but apparently I'm pregnant with the king of the world. <laughs> Tricky one. God's purpose for Mary life was, Mary's life was entirely different to Mary's, like inconceivable, but way better, way higher. God interrupted Mary's life and changed her life's direction. It wasn't a change in God's eyes. I love this point. It wasn't a change in God's eyes. He knew this plan from the beginning of time, but it was a change for Mary. And so for each of us, how will this play out? When God interrupts us with an invitation to something else, we will discover that his purpose and his ways are very different from our plans. You may have dreamed of the perfect, healthy family, and then you find out you're going to have a child born with special needs, and it rocks your world. Why us? What did we do wrong? but you have no idea the blessing that this child will be and how it will draw you closer to God and how love will well up in your heart greater than you could have ever imagined because his purposes are different to your plans. You might lose a job, which is awful and hard, and naturally you might think, what is this about, God? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to look after the family that you have given me? But maybe out of the blue, a new direction, a new career opens up, or maybe you take that step of faith and start a business that you've always dreamed of. Or maybe you study um, and do that thing that's always been in the back of your mind. And maybe years later, you look back and go, wow, what I thought was a curse was actually a blessing because God's purpose is so different to our plans. And I found there've been a few key times in my life where I have had the thought, I, I never want to do that thing, never. And that's not overly like me and my personality. Normally, I'm fairly open to trying new things. But a couple of times I have been very decisively opposed to doing things. One of those that I have clear in my memory is going to China. Did not want to do that. And I remember Scott Donald in our backyard digging some trench and talking to Carl and convincing him to go to China and have a look. And I remember thinking, just God, send him home. Get him out of here. I do not want to go to China. But China was a big part of our church's mission plan. We were the youth leaders and it eventuated that we were challenged to take a team to China. It was a big team. And we did, and it was a great trip, and faith grew, and people were blessed, and it was fabulous. Going to India was even worse. I really didn't want to do that. In fact, I wanted to go to the US, where Carl was going. He was going on a conference, and I've got some friends over there I wanted to visit. I thought, yes, great opportunity. Let's go to the USA. And I felt an invitation to go to India, it did not feel like an invitation. It was an interruption. I had my thing planned out. But same thing, I didn't want to. I felt very challenged to go though. And I went with the team that was going over and I had an extremely growing time over there, particularly in the area of speaking. And I was very glad I went. My most current thing is leading the creative arts team. For many years, I wouldn't even entertain that thought. And for many years, that was probably the right thing. We had a young family, it just wasn't the right time. But certainly, there was fear attached to it. 
So it was a very big decision to step into that this year. And it is only through the grace of God that I can do it. But if I hadn't been obedient on those other things, I wonder, would I have grown to the point where I had the faith that God would go before me and show me what to do, that I could step into this most current challenge? It enables me to take new things on. And I also wonder, what have I missed? What are some of the opportunities and invitations that I haven't taken on that I could have done something, and, you know, God could have grown me in different ways? But I also know that God is good and he's faithful and he's gentle with us and he gives us multiple opportunities. That's the grace of God. So Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So that scripture was spoken to a people exiled from their homeland and God was basically calling them back to a better future. And it's the same for us. His plans are for a prosperous future, but a prosperity that is on his terms. But it's filled with hope. So be open to the interruptions, which is again what we call them. God calls them, sees them as invitations. An invitation is something higher and different because his purposes are always different to our plans. So in verse 34, Mary says, but how can this happen? I'm not married. I'm a virgin. It's totally impossible. Virgins don't give birth to babies. That's crazy. How can this physically actually happen? And I think for each of us, there'll be a time, it doesn't matter who you are, if you're a follower of Christ, there'll be a time that God is going to interrupt you with an invitation to something different. And something that seems impossible, but he was going to ask you to have faith and believe that he can do it because it won't seem possible to you. He might ask you to forgive someone, which just seems totally impossible in your current situation. He might ask you to give generously to someone or something and looking at your finances, it looks impossible. He might ask you to, he might want to heal your marriage and for you, reconciliation looks entirely impossible. He might want you to make a decision that makes no earthly or cultural sense. But what he's really asking you to do is to trust him. Because his plans will look different and may look impossible. But we serve God. What is the point of our faith if it's not in one who is bigger and greater than us? There's always a way when it comes to the God of the the universe. This is the God that we serve. So in verse 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. The New King James says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. Some of you right now today are facing an obstacle. And if you're not, you will sometime this year. Big or small, there's an obstacle coming your way. I'm just here to tell you. Because if there's not, then we're not growing or we're not listening and being aware of the interruptions and the invitations. Obstacles will come your way. But Mark 9.23 says, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And Matthew 19.26 says, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. No word from God will ever fail. He is all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful. One spoken word and God can intervene in a situation, changing it completely. So my question to you all today is what is it that God is asking you to do or believe today for this year maybe? 
He's always speaking. He's always guiding. So what is it that he's asking for you to do today? You might be able to answer that immediately. You know. You know what God has been working on in your heart. You know there's something ahead of you you've got to face. But for some of you, it might take a little longer to process that. You might actually have to sit and ask the question. Pray about it. Listen. It could take a few days, even a few weeks. But I encourage you to ask him the question, God, what do you have next for me? Where are you directing me to? What are you inviting me to? It could be a ministry area he wants you to be involved in or to take the steps to reconcile a relationship. Might be time to start studying again or to stop studying, do something different. To reach out to a neighbour who's he's been highlighting to you for a while. And if you feel like you've failed in that area before, that doesn't mean it'll be the same this time. But even in failure, God will work in us. So just as the music plays, I'm going to pray. And then I want you to take the chance to listen to the Holy Spirit and what He might be saying to you today. We're just going to pause uh, after I've prayed. And I just want you to ask God that question. God, what is it that you're challenging me on today? So Lord God, you sent your son to have victory over death so that we could have true life, eternal life. And in that victory came freedom from fear. Through Jesus, we can have the freedom and the courage to step into those areas that look daunting, to rise up those areas that we are avoiding that look too hard or just way too tricky for us to solve. Because the beauty of it is that you have won that battle already. And as we take the courageous step into something new or something we've been putting off, We can trust that you will not let us fall. So show us now by your Holy Spirit that thing, that area, that relationship that we are fearing, but that you are calling us to walk into. So just reflect on that now. Listen to what the Holy Spirit might be saying. Lord, no matter what the outcome is, we are loved and saved by you. Help us to live a life that welcomes interruptions, that sees them as opportunities, invitations to grow and live the life that you have planned for us. Show us how we can step out of our world of comfort and control and courageously accept your invitation like Mary did to the life that you have purposed for us. Help us to listen to your whisper, to fear not. Lord, and whatever this year might hold, let us always remember that you have gone before. The fear by itself is not a bad thing, Lord, but you will be with us to take the next step and the next into the things that you have planned for us. In Jesus' name, amen.